Welcome back to another episode of the Critter Clubhouse Podcast. My name is Prince and I am your host. And today we have a very special guest. Uh, we have serial entrepreneur Jeff Reynolds in the building today. Uh, Jeff, what are we going to be talking about so, today? Well, I don't know. Making stuff. We're going to be talking about making stuff and acquiring the entrepreneurial mindset. Sure. And I mean, that's like the way to make stuff sustainably, right? Yes. <laughs> like to make stuff and be able to keep making stuff. So creators, I think in 2021, you have creators that have just experienced, just like the rest of the world, uh, all types of new and unique challenges that they weren't experiencing before. A lot of these people make their living through traveling and creating content for brands and various things like that. And they're no longer able to travel or they're no, they're no longer able to shoot their videos or do whatever it is that they do. And so you have a lot of people acquiring the uh, new skills right now. And they're realizing that they're, you know, they have all these other skills and they'd like to, you know, maybe start a business or they're realizing that they can use the skills that they have to start an e-commerce brand or something like that. And so as far as thinking, you know, a lot of creatives are really focused on the art side of things. Right. And so, you know, what is a great way to start thinking like a maker, like someone who produces things. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, let's, the, let's start with the first big challenge, which is, you know, if you want to sell something, you have to have somebody to sell it to. And I think artists generally, I mean, the artist mindset is just about the creation and the expression and to turn that into commercial art. And maybe it's not all your art, but some of it, right? <laughs> right? Like right. it doesn't, ha- you, you can have, it sort of, or it can be just a whole separate activity that just supports your art. Right. 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 Um, I guess the point being that it all starts up with the customer. And I think the people who do this work, right. Who, who start companies or are able to monetize their craft, whatever it is, put the customer at the center of their life, not the product, you know, yep. not, not the better mousetrap. So, kind of perspective you know all right so so do you think so as far as these creatives go do you think they should start with a product or with their community yeah because you know i had brought this up in a prior podcast that you know a lot of people are are, are, are seeking these ways to create value and oh, i need to make money and it's like dude you got 130,000 followers on Instagram. Why don't you go talk to them? Like start talking to these people, interviewing the people. Why do you follow me? What unique value do I bring? You know, what service could I offer? What do you, you know, what is it, what is it about me that you enjoy? And you might find that everyone loves your editing style and that you could actually create a course and, and you'd have had 30 people tell you that they'd pay for that course or whatever. Right, it may but be. You, you see, even what you just did was you jumped through like, three steps of the process, right? Which right. is positive in a positive way. I say that, but like a, you talk to the customers, you, you, but what you did that most people can't do is make the jump from my customers really love this about me. I can do this other sort of perpendicular thing. This thing, you, you know, in other words, they, they love my editing style. Right. One option. You were able to come up with the option to productize that. Right. Right. And that's, that's a challenge in of itself. So let's just take the, let's break it, break it down. Like the process. I think for most creators, 
Steve Blank, which is not to get too wonky, but Steve Blank, who is like a professor at Stanford, he was like the the genius who created the the uh, lean startup method stuff that pop uh, Eric Reese or Rice or however you say his name uh, uh, popularized, and he has a four step process, the four steps of the epiphany. It's customer discovery, customer validation. Um, let's see, make sure I can, <laughs> I say it right. Uh, customer creation and then company building. And I think what a lot of people do is they skip those first three steps and they just jump to step four. Right. And the reality of those three steps is they need to be taken one at a time. It's better or less risky to take them one at a time and build it. So what you just described was customer discovery, which is one way is deep interviews. One-on-one interviews to actually talk to customers and try to get the insights. Sorry, I don't want to keep rambling. I could ramble. Right. No, that's no, that's great. Um, so what other, so that's one way. So I just, I guess what I'm trying to say is the first thing is understand the customer, right? Right. Customer discovery. Who, who wants this? Who are the people who love me? Who's my tribe? Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Why do you matter? Well, exactly. Why do they keep tuning in whatever, in whatever way they're tuning in? Right. Right. And I guess the thing I want to reiterate from what you said is that the way to do that is one-on-one for most people is actually one-on-one interviews. It's not like surveys or even a post, you know, on your IG account or whatever. Right. Right. It's like talk to humans. Absolutely. You know, what are some ways to have these productive non-biased conversations with humans? I know some, like we, we have a weird way of phrasing questions and and, and getting the results that we want, which, which, doesn't doesn't really help us in the long term. It feeds our ego, but it doesn't. The data skewed. Oh, m- most so called research because <laughs> it's just like you know validating you know what you want to hear or whatever, right? Right. Um. So okay, a few recommendations. First, you know, I'll do this. I'm a book guy, so like a great. There's a great book actually called I think Talking to Humans. Um, and it's by a guy. GIF or GIF. See, these guys all have names. I don't know how to pronounce uh, <laughs> Constable, I think. Uh, but it's a PDF. So if you Google talking to humans PDF, you can get the free PDF. It's like a short e- ebook that walks you through how to have unbiased conversations. Okay. Um, at the But at the f- highest level is you have to separate yourself from the product. You have to, in the hard part, that's hard when that's you, right? Like, um, so you ask more about motivation questions usually and le- and like about their life right. and how you fit in their life and less about like on a scale of one to 10, how awesome do you think I am? Right. You know, I love that. Um, I, I think that's a really great way of looking at it as far as like, how do you fit in my life? You might realize that, um, because you're so positive and you have such great energy, you're the first, everyone wakes up and the first thing they do before they're, they get into their creative work day. Yep is they pop on one of your videos or they check your Instagram stories totally. to, you know, to tune in or whatever it is. So maybe you're the guy that gets everyone really excited. You're like the hype man. Exactly. Yeah, you're, 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 yeah exactly. Is it like, is it hype? Is it information? What are those traits? Right. Um, a lot of times I think it's important to understand that people don't have words for that though, too. Right. Like, you know, you're just a part of their day. So that's why the interview process is so important because you, you know, you sort of do the, five why thing you know it's like when somebody gives you an answer you ask them a question they give you an answer and then you say but tell me why or give me a little tell me a little bit more and you do that like over and over again yeah and eventually you unpeel the the onion to get somewhere that yes is you know you actually get what they're thinking you yes know? 
I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to say, ask why to dig deeper. Cause a lot of times you get surface level answers, That's um, right. but once you keep digging deeper, you realize they tune into you because they're unmotivated, Yep. you know, or they lack whatever it may be. And there might be, you know, you might be able to help serve that challenge in their life. And that's the thing is you're actually listening for like their challenges or their, you know, interests or things that they're passionate about. Absolutely. And I think the thing thing that people mistake is, and I don't know if I see this so much with like creator types, but a lot of people in general, it's like, you know, they want to do surveys and they want to, you know, do polls on their whatever account and all that stuff because they're afraid to talk to people. Yes. Yes. And that's not the same because what you're act the the process of interviewing the power of it is little insights little right. little tidbits where somebody says something and you go oh wait that's something or more importantly after you've done a bunch of these you go oh wait I see a common thread like people keep coming back to my editing style I, I think you get more too out of you could get more information out of speaking to 10 people than you could 150 people answering your Instagram yeah. poll. Yep. Um, well, the problem with the Instagram poll is that it came out of your brain and, right. and what you need is information out of their brains. Right. So you know what I mean? So you're already biasing the conversation if it's your poll, right? Absolutely. So, so I think that's a, a solid introduction to customer discovery. Yep. Um, so the idea is you figured out your, your, your customer, right? right? We have a customer, you have now. a customer. And then you, this is at the point where you are, you're moving into validation, but in order to have validation, you have to have something to validate. Right. So this is where you have to sort of consolidate those thinking that, you know, your, the insights, what you think your people want, and then start brainstorming the actual ideas. How are you going to serve them? Right. And the reality is, um, you know, customers can, you know, we have more tools. Creators have more tools than ever to actually monetize or start a company, right? Everybody does. Um, with all the no code website builders, app builders, you know, you can, if you want to create a bag company, you know, you can outsource every element of it. Right. right. So anyway, the bottom line is you start, you have to brainstorm the ideas and then the next goal is to validate. So the goal to validate is the goal of validation is to figure out as quickly as possible if this is a terrible idea. Right. Or if anybody wants it. So I'm going to use, I'm going to use, uh, I told you about that company carrot card. Yeah. I'm going to use them as an example, just because it's a, they basically spoke to a bunch of creators. They found out that there was a challenge. So they did the, the customer discovery yep. and in their interviews, and they probably had a general idea going into it. Absolutely. Like, Oh, Hey, we're going to start a fight, maybe a finance company or whatever credit card company for creators would be good. Absolutely. Yeah. And so during that discovery phase, they found out that creators, uh, had a difficult time getting credit cards because they have inconsistent income and, and various things like that. And so they, they found the need, the problems. Yep. And, uh, they created the solution and then now we're in the validation okay. phase. Yeah. So what's interesting, I'm not saying this for them, but it's interesting to think about how other companies have validated. They might, you know, validation doesn't mean you have to create the product. Right. Um, you know, sign ups, sign ups, downloads, cl- clicks on an ad, run right. a, you know, I mean, I have friends who started their first product by putting 20 bucks on a, on to IG advertising to see if anybody would respond. And then when they did, they, then they started figuring out how to sell. Right. So the validation, that's such a, it's, it's such a key, a key 
it's such a key part of the process. And I think a lot of people like to skip over that and go straight to building things. And I noticed that with, especially with the bigger brands and, and bigger companies, validating is so important. I think running the ads is an incredible way. You know, if you're validating packaging, if you're validating names, if you're validating whatever it may be, like you just said, run, run 10 Instagram ads with 20 bucks each and see which ones. Cause in, in Instagram ads, that is our modern day. That's like the same process, you know, in, in, in branding, that's the same process as like someone walking into a store and being able to pick your software off a shelf or your shoebox, whatever it may be. But since everything is digital ads, running ads, like ad test or whatever you want to call yeah. them is like the equivalent of That's that. right. And really, you know, or if you have a community, right. Our audience, you can just do it organically. Well, that's when, that's where the survey might well, actually or come you, in handy. Or, or just say, well, that's where I a little bit differ. I, I would say the thing with validation is you want to make it as real. You want to figure out what are the biggest obstacles, um, you know, or the best, biggest risk and test those risks first. So the most obvious thing, just as a simple example, if you have a product, simple product like a t-shirt right right if you design the t-shirt you don't have to print it up you can just put it on a what on a what your web page or whatever and um you know see if anybody will will sign up to buy it like click the buy button even if the buy button doesn't actually allow them to buy right even if it so you took them to a website they click they see a price they click click buy and then it says oh sorry they're sold out or not available sign up for a wait list so then you can measure two things. How many people click that buy button? Those are people that are pretty seriously interested. And then how many people signed up for the wait list? That's a customer list. Now you're validating an idea before you've invested gazillions of bucks in bringing it to life. Right. And that buy button could could literally be an email opt-in. It could be, 100%. we're not live yet. But And so now you actually have a qualified list That's right. of potential buyers for your products. So you can have a successful launch. And all you're trying to do is get more information. Right. And I think what people get wrong is this idea like I should know everything or how everything's going to go work or how I'm going to sell it or whatever it is. They 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 worry about that too too early. I mean, you got to worry about it. Right. But the point is it's a learning process. And 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 I like what you were saying too with uh the you know, talking to customers. I think that's really important for people to understand it's a it's a dialogue. Um, and oftentimes it's like a one way thing. It's like you send a message, you get the input and then you act. Mm-hmm. And instead of, you know, s- sending the message, getting the input, sending and it's, it's this back and forth. You're basically playing tennis yep. with them until you really feel like, okay, we really have some, tr- like we have, a, we, we really understand, uh, our customer. We yep. really understand exactly. And, and you know, when you understand them, because you have these store, like you can literally like actively tell these stories you could like describe their day yeah you, you know my you know very very in detail, in detail. yeah i yes. mean yeah do they drink are they do they drink water or do they drink energy drinks if so what energy drink at what time of day and what circumstance what triggers that drinking that energy drink right. i mean that gets extreme but you know yeah i mean the point i think what you're saying there is the it's all a learning process and i don't want to though insinuate that you don't have to have a vision yourself and like have something but if you're not open to learning the single greatest failures that people just keep in you know ignoring the obvious lessons from their customers not that the customers are going to always tell you they rarely tell you directly right they tell you in their actions right you know and you have to learn and adapt that to, to something big that's why you have to listen yeah 
you know, it's all um, about listening because no one, yeah, no one tells you anything. No one's going to be like, Oh, you suck. Or this, I mean, they do sometimes, sometimes <laughs> you can't count on it or more likely they don't know their own answer. You right. know, the, the whole thing about, you know, it, Steve jobs, you know, had to still design the iPhone and company had to design the iPhone, you know, right. so just to get real clear. So we did, we went through customer discovery. We learned, we got great insights. Then we were doing some tests of validation based on that, how that goes. We might have to go back to that discovery phase, right? Right. right. So it's a massive failure. And then we go and, and we learn and we sort of do the same process and you continue on. And the real point is when you're validating, you're getting some information, some sign that you have something here before you go to the next phase, which is customer creation. And that idea is like, how, how do we scale this thing a little bit more? Right. It's not really fully scale, but it's just like, how do I get people that, you know, I don't know to buy this product or whatever, you know? Absolutely. What are those channels? What are the, what's, what are the messages? Those sorts of things. I also think during that validation phase, you know, that's the, also the imagination, the prototyping, yep. testing, fixing. And like you said, if it's broke or it doesn't work, then you got to go back to your customer and figure out what's going on. And then like, it's, it's that, in the tighter the feedback loop, the better. So the, yeah. the more you can communicate, like if you can, if you have 10 people that are, you know, involved and you can easily get access to them and, and can continue, like do that, create yep. a Facebook group, whatever you got to do, Instagram, however you're doing it. But if you have people that, cause then they'll help you build it. Yep. And then, and then when you launch, you also have almost kind of like the satellite team that will help yeah. promote and, and, and push your product. Yeah. And I, I just, for me, the goal is to get to know as fast as possible or, you know, if, if it's not going to work, it's not going to work. I'll give you a quick example of product I developed, a ukulele bag. So most ukulele bags suck. They're gray, black, velour. They're boring. Right. So I developed a new design. It's a little more casual, had, you know, uh, developed prototypes, went to Hawaii. I was on vacation. So I brought my prototype and I went to a music store and my interview and I, well, I went to a few stores and I went, uh, two or three of them and, um, I pitched my idea. And two of them loved, loved the idea. And I just sat down and talked to them. And, but the problem was my price point was goofy. My price point couldn't work in the retail, you know, once I did markup and, right. you know, and this was even probably sort of at the dawn of e-commerce back, I mean, you know, whatever, 10 years ago or whatever. And so, um, the bottom line is through that validation process, what I learned is this is a great product. I can't design, I can't, um, you know, manufacture it at a price that's going to make it work. So went to the closet, you know, it's done, right. you know, and I could have probably solved that or figured it out. But ultimately I decided it wasn't worth the risk to buy 50,000, you know, the volume I had to buy <laughs> ukulele bags. I didn't want 50,000 ukulele bags uh, in my garage. Right. Um, but the point is I considered that a success to not for people to tell me the truth about the price, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> So the point here is, okay, discovery, val, uh, validation, then we yes. go to customer creation. That is when you try to really figure out how to sell. So before you, in validation, you might be doing ads or whatever at 10 bucks, $10 budgets, you know? Right. Here, you might slowly try to ratchet it up, ratchet it up and start testing the advertising, for example, if you're doing a direct-to-consumer model or just t testing your messaging or figuring out, you know. Product you names. Know, well, even, yeah, you've probably even maybe had product names done before during the validation. Maybe not. Right. I mean, basically by the time you move to customer creation, you should pretty be 
pretty firm in your product. You know, right. you have something. And now you just got to figure out how to, like you, you validated it to say, oh, there's some interest. But now I have to figure out how to sell this thing consistently, you know? And so what, what might be, what might be a good jumping off point for a creator on the customer creation? Yeah. My first thing is to look for things that have worked. So hopefully during that validation phase, you know, you have some clues as to like, oh, whenever I use these phrases, people really like, I, you know, figured it out because I, I figured out how to explain my product or my thing. Even even if it's just like services, like photography, like if you're trying to just sell your, you know, video services to somebody, you still have to figure out how to express what you do to somebody. And that, you know, sort of your ability to explain what you do or what your product is, is like your first prototype. Yep. You know, and most people can't do that. Like they give you some convoluted answer, you know, or they overcomplicate it. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. They try to make it for everyone and that, you know. So you've sort of figured all that out. And by the time you get to creation, now you're trying to figure out how can I replicate that and get more customers? So, so some quick tips might be to keep it simple as far as describing what you do, be direct. Um, and as far as customer creation, you can't be everything to everyone. Like I, there was yeah. a time in, in place when, when that was, you know, doable, but uh, given today in the internet and the, the trillion, you know, not trillions, but millions of businesses, yeah. and, you know, and there's, then there's a lot of people and, and people want, uh, things that are unique to them. And so it's like, actually the more sp- specific you can be, especially early on, yep. I, I think you can always go wider later, but I think to start, you want to go as specific of a customer as you can possibly get yeah. and, and not let, not have the fear of missing out on, on income potential because, your that community will build over time and you can go wider huge mistake right trying to build something for everyone right and the truth is most people prefer a specialist over a generalist and that includes their product right like if you can get up uh if a shooter can get a bag that's built for photographers you don't just go buy a whatever jansport backpack and throw all your stuff in there right 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 right. so you, you know making it clear you know who it's for and both in features and benefit sense, but also psychologically, right? Yep. Like people like this buy things like this, right? You know. So if you're, and I, I guess the other thing I would say to that, and I keep it simple, is uh, it's okay to start with just a project. It doesn't. Ha- you don't have to build a company. You know, you can just start with a, you know, projects. It can be a side hustle. You know. Right. And even smaller than a side hustle. Right. Just a side casual thing. Right. Right. Like a t-shirt. Yeah. I, I think, you know, when we talked about, we talked about that on prior podcast too, with, you know, being able to keep your day job, you know, even if you have a nine to five, be able to do a nine to five and then come home and do a five to nine. Yeah. You know, if, 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 if that's really what you want and you can kind of balance that out and you can go all in, it's all, it's different. It really depends on like your, your life, yeah, your tendencies, your yes. personality. Yes. And I think, you know, I guess my thing is I think people just take on too much risk too early. And I, I mean, risk is great, but you want to use that risk when it's a high leverage opportunity, meaning if the bet goes, you're going to pay off really big, right? you know, and, and that only happens once you have more information. So in the early stages, starting small, 
you know, and relying on your day job it's or fine. whatever, it's fine. I, 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 I encourage it. I think it's a way better, especially if it's your first time. I agree. I think the, the, the challenge with people taking on exponential risk is it's like that Gary Vaynerchuk hustle entrepreneur mentality, the all or nothing, go, yeah. go big, go home, uh, which I think only really works for a hand. Like you got to be a certain type of person. That's true. To be able to because it's a chaotic environment and there's a lot of uncertainty. So to be able to go into that and be keep a level head and to be able to do things is, is a very rare person. And so I think there's nothing wrong with not, you know, subscribing to that and, and taking a much more. Yeah. Just chill approach. And I think in general, most people are just like living like Gary Vaynerchuk stuff, you know, at the whatever he's fine. I like him, but it's also, speaking to a specific audience and not necessarily to everybody or the cover of Inc. Magazine or Forbes. I think too many people are like managing and dreaming that instead of just solving problems for people. Because in the right. end, the the way to be make a living doing whatever you want to do is by solving real problems for real people. Yep. That'll give you real money, you know? And it, well, and it helps too if you, if, you know, what's powering that solving problems is if you genuinely want to help yeah i mean people. i like, don't i don't believe it don't works any other way i mean it d probably does but it's like one in a hundred people who can like fake it right you um know? right well i think that's where not to get into brand and all that stuff yeah. but i think that's the difference between like a data type company there are data entrepreneurs that yeah, very sure. much so find a niche do, run the numbers and it makes sense and they build a business and i know guys that do perfectly fine yeah uh it's not a brand no one knows you yeah. know, it's not, but they make great money. But they also have to be like built for that. For right, sure. Which right. Makes, which I mean, I don't think most creators are. No, exactly. A, a I mean, most creators I know are, you know, the, the product matters. You yes, know, I mean, for sure. It's every, I mean, what I mean is the stuff they make matter. You know, it's like personal, it's part of them. Yes. And, and that, I personally think that's good. I mean, and they I, put soul into the things they do. So exactly what they do needs to have soul in it. Yeah. And so to try to turn it into this mass production thing makes no sense. Right. And I mean, I guess the, I to go back to the, like the very beginning, like, why are you doing this in the first place? We're talking about, you know, the general company building process. Right. But if you don't, I don't know, I, I really encourage people not to chase money in that as like a, you know, as like a goal in of itself. It just doesn't really make sense. I think if you're, if it, you are chasing it or working toward it to build sustainability so you can create keep creating right that's the way to build a life around it otherwise yep. just go get a job and do your art on the side and be happy yep I th yeah <laughs> I, th I think i think obviously having that number is important but but you don't it's just being it's an awareness it's just like okay this is how much i would need to survive and right. the, or and then this is how much i would need to like this would be a good life bills are paid and i can save some money or whatever it may be um, but then putting all the attention and the focus on creating value, because yep. the reality is that the more people you affect and the more value you create, the more income potential you're going to have. Right. Both income and security over right. time. I mean, my whole career for the most part, I mean, if it weren't for relationships built over years, you know, it wouldn't exist. Right. In other words, you know, it wasn't for, for me personally, it wasn't about my great bookkeeping skills or whatever marketing skills, even, you know, right. It was, it was about leveraging and in, in, in the most positive sense, you know, my relationships to help me figure out what the world needs or helping those people and building those relationships and, 
you know, somebody giving me a hand up at the right time. And those and the beautiful thing about those relationships, you know, it's a concept I talk about often is they compound yeah. over time. And that's the same thing with your customers. So if you do things the right way and you don't skip the steps and you, and you just help people, you create a great product, your customers, you'll get that relationship will deepen and it'll compound and they'll, they'll, they'll market the company for you. Uh, they'll spend more money with you. Yep. They're, they're more open for new things. And, uh, it just, it, it's just like anything else. It compounds over time. Just like having, you know, investing in Apple for 20 years, yep. you know, but so many people are too short term oriented to see that. Absolutely. And I mean, I think one of the biggest risks right now, you know, is that people basically can use tech to manipulate customers, you know, they, yeah. and, um, and, you know, even if you can sort of get it away with it, you know, like I'm just thinking of a, a friend who told me he bought some shirt on Facebook. Uh-huh. He's like, yeah, that shirt did not look like anything in the picture. It was like, you know, terrible <laughs> quality, all this stuff. Right. And I'm thinking, well, those guys got away with that once. It, well, but yeah, what does what that, they lost all the opportunity for that compound effect. So use that the compounding, one, yeah, to use that the comp- one time, yeah. Use the compounding metaphor. Would you rather yes. have 10 bucks today or a million bucks 40 years from now or whatever, right? If that, with that same $10 investment. Right, and it, and it goes back to that concept too. You're constantly hunting customers. So instead of being able to focus on building great products and, 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 and making your products better, you can't even think about that. All you can think about where we're going to get the next customer. You're constantly chasing customer acquisition yep. uh, rather than being able to focus on the product because you got a steady stream of customers that they're not going to go anywhere. Yep. And it's organically growing. Yeah. And also, once you build like an audience or a fan base of what and I, I say that even if you're not like a creator or influencer or whatever we're calling them now. Right. Those folks, you know, even if you're not that. You still, you you know you can build like a fan base that will essentially follow you yeah and to different activities yeah and um that's like security and that's super positive absolutely there's and there's a lot of people that do that very well so next what's what's the next phase in our process oh so we um, i always have to go all the way back to the beginning so we did our customer discovery yep then we validated Validated. it and then we did our customer creation where we figured out the channels that we could where we can mimic and then only then and these are phases, right? Like what you want to make sure you've actually accomplished the goal. Do you move to the fourth and final phase of the four steps of the epiphany, which is uh, com- company building. And that's when you, you know, actually start having a company, right. you know, I mean, you might technically have an LLC or not before then it doesn't really matter. But the point is you don't want to really start taking on employees and real infrastructure. If that's one of your things until you've actually figured out how you're going to deal with customer creation. Yep. And this is, you know, in the whole dot com or whatever, the whole tech boom, you know, think about like DoorDash has taken on billions of dollars in and they still I don't know. They may actually now just now be making money. Right. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know Most some of, of them get- I, like Uber is like barely. Right. Right. And they've taken on however many billions of dollars in investment or whatever. And. And a lot of that is that that feeds this idea that you can just build a company without having figured out these other steps. Yep. And you may be the lucky one who can, yep. but most people don't ride that train. You know what I mean? Right. So it's way better not to dump your life savings or you no, know, not just savings, but time, you know, Yep. into something before you actually validated, figured out how to do the customer creation, then start building the company. Yep. 
and it can, I mean, it can be defeating too. If you do it, you know, if you, if you skip steps, you may fail, not because, not because your idea wasn't good or what, just because you just, you skipped the process. You wanted the result so bad that you skipped the process. And I think that's the challenge for most people's. We have this destination that we want to get to. And we just assume like we can, you can basically just jump there. Right. And I can, I, the amount of people that I know who have a business idea and they literally go from idea to buying a domain and building a website. And it's yeah. scary. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's, you know, and, 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 and sadly they set themselves up for failure and then they think that they're not worthy of being an entrepreneur or something when it's not really the case. It's just like, you just did it wrong. <laughs> you just didn't well, like, you, I mean, that's what all this comes down to is like, you're just trying to give yourself the best shot. Absolutely. You know, it's always, I, I personally, you know, you can will a lot of things into existence, right? <laughs> but luck sure is nice to have, you yes. know, and the market is nice to have and all these different things are nice to have and they all have to come together to be a success. Whatever success means to you, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people who making an extra 20 grand, you know, or a thousand bucks a month, right. you know, is life changing. Absolutely. You know? And if you can make, you know, using the 4% rule, I don't know if you've ever think or talk about this idea. I don't. So like the idea of the 4% rule is like the amount of money you have in the bank. Uh, if you can live on 4% of it, basically you can live on it forever. There's this study done called the Trinity study that shows that, that, that rule basically holds out it's now extreme, you know, maybe over 60 years, it becomes problems problematic. Right. But the whole point being using that 4% rule, um, you know, if you have an extra 20, if you have 20, make 20 grand a year doing what you love, that's equivalent to like having 500 grand in the bank. Right. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like being able to get that 4% off it every year. So my point is, you know, you can either go after having a big lump sum of money or you can just figure out a way to make cash flow doing something you enjoy and that you're good at and have a good life. Yeah. And you know, either cash, of those options work. They do. Or both. Or both. Like, you know, no, like, totally. Um, that That's obviously always a great situation is to have both. Um, I, I'm just really trying to say like that it, not everything has to be big. I mean, whenever we talk about businesses, right. you know, we go into this startup conversation. Right. And it's really important that the reality is most. We're, most we're talking about makers. We're, like, yeah, we're, exactly. we're talking about solopreneurs. Like solopreneurs, yeah, exactly. not talking about people creating their own agencies and studios. Some and number of them do, though. For Some sure. number of them do. But and, you, yeah. and, if, and if, if that's your ambition, then most definitely go after it. But uh, I know a lot of amazing people that are solopreneurs and, you know, they're making whatever. 50 grand a year, 80 grand a year, hundred grand a year. Um, mm -hmm. These aren't going to ever be multi. I mean, they might be multi-million. Who knows what the future holds, yeah. but for now they have a sustainable business. They love what they do. They're happy and, and they're living a good life. And I mean, and if you're in that place and I know these guys who are doing the, that and then they just still kind of experiment with little things all the time, you know? Right. Um, and you never know which one's going to hit. Right. And, and either way, if it doesn't, that's fine too. And I think if you just focused on the process instead of the end result, you'll you'll be way more happy and give yourself a way better shot here. What are some common mistakes that you see uh, people making when they when they start building companies? Yeah, the first thing, you advise a handful of, of of great companies, and yeah, what are some things that you've seen? I mean, the first thing is they just get ahead of themselves. Mm -hmm. So you know, they sort of model themselves after this the. the whatever, whatever Bezos or whoever the hot thing of the day is, you know, and compare themselves to that. Um, so in other words, by trying to play somebody else's game, instead of working to figure out what your game is and playing it, right? that's the number one mistake. 
Number two mistake is the person, the human element. So um, if you have a business partner or if you have um, a potential business partner or even just like a like a real key vendor or somebody helps you make something, you know, I'm talking if you're doing something other than your service, right? Like even if you're like a videographer and then you're like, oh, and then I hire this editor, you know, who does my editing or whatever. I'm right. just picking something. Um, you know, that relate those key relationships failing drives a lot of businesses into the ground. Yeah. You know, I'd mm-hmm. say that's the number one threat to most the human factor. Um, and then the last thing, so, so it, that, that almost, I feel like that almost ties into culture as well. It's like, well, yeah, you know, if you have a, if you have enough people to have a culture, but even if you're right. one person, even you sort of have a culture, you have a culture in your brain, I right. guess, you know, well, you, well you, it's like standards, like yeah, standards. you gotta have certain standards, like a certain cultural belief, like, Oh, okay. That guy doesn't fit my culture. I can't work. Even if it's just one person, yep. an editor, yep. um, and that could save you from a blow up down the road by finding someone that's just more in alignment with oh. your views. Yeah. Well, or just like whatever reliable, right. you know, everybody right. like you see these signs from people, you know, I mean, most makers and people and entrepreneurs are optimists. You know, you wouldn't be. You're trying to build the future, whatever that looks like. You're trying to create the future. And the problem, though, with being an optimist is we like see the best and people sit there and abuse us and, you know, <laughs> and uh, don't do what they say they're going to do and all these different things and cause us a bunch of stress. And we don't have the boundaries to say, you know, I need to find another person. So all I'm saying is instead of building a relationship that becomes dependent on somebody that that way, you know, either getting out of that earlier or building the sort of scaffolding around yourself to protect yourself. Yep. Okay. And I was going to say the last thing is really the first thing, which is the the customer discovery. Like most people are, we're going after things way too self-centered. You know, we're going about it from our perspective and sometimes that works, Right. but it's better if you can meld your vision, you know, your visionary self with your actual understanding of your customer. I agree. Cool. That was Jeff Reynolds. That was awesome. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited, guys. You just got some amazing information on what we hope is something that can help set you guys off on the right path as far as, you know, not just to keep it simple, you know, customer discovery. Start with your customer discovery. Uh, go talk to your community. Go get to know your people. You know, get to know your people until you really understand them. Um, to where you can, you know, you can talk about them and tell their, you can tell their story to your friends and, and, and be like, yeah, like these are the people who follow me. These are their challenges. This is how they, this is how they live. This is what they do when they get up. This is what they, most of them do for a living, or maybe there's a few different types of characters, but create, create the characters and start building, you know, the story together. And we wish you guys the best of luck. Right on. <laughs> Cheers, bro. Cheers.